Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Waits. Michael Waits. Michael Waits. Michael Waits. Hey, it's good to have you on the show. Hey, Casey, we're live straight away. Drop Hello, you okay. right in Thanks. there. It's Casey Lau, everybody, head of Asia for Rice. Hello, everybody. Yeah, great to have you on here. Venture partner as well, co-founder of Startups Hong Kong. We're going to talk a lot about Rise, I guess, the big conference that you're running there in Asia. Also a bit about your, your journey, how you got to Hong Kong. Well, you're from Vancouver originally, right? That's right. That's right. I've been in Hong Kong and uh, Asia for about 20 years now. So mm-hmm. it's uh, been an exciting time and exciting to watch it grow to what it's like to come now. So were, were you in Hong Kong for the handover? Yeah, that's right. That's actually yeah. almost when I first got there. And so, yeah, just this July 1st was the 20th anniversary of the handover. Yeah, that's why I said that because you were, if you said 20 years, it's almost exactly 20 years to the handover. So, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah my, my, first, my first time in Hong Kong was 1991, maybe February. I can't remember a long time ago, though. So, and it was, you know, back then I was at Morgan Stanley and it really felt like Hong Kong was going to fall off a cliff in a way. I mean, like Hong Kong goes through these cycles that are fascinating for me. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, we do just a little bit of background for us a little bit. You know, we've been doing this podcast for a while, but we've kind of branched out to do something we call ATP stories because we want to figure out the story about the people, right? We could spend a lot of time talking about rise and blue startups and stuff like that but for me and i think for people that listen they're really more interested in like you like a lot of ink has been spilled on rise right rise is this gigantic conference it's got fifteen thousand people going if you if you're even remotely related to startups and tech companies and you haven't heard of rise you kind of haven't been paying attention kind of thing no yeah Yeah. i like to think so Yeah, I mean, and for you in particular, as the head of Rise in Asia, is that right? Then that means that right. if people come to you and say, "Oh, I've never heard of that," that would be kind of strange. That'd be hard to, yeah. So Rise is uh, just to give you background on Rise. It's actually the uh, Asian edition of the Web Summit, and Web Summit is a seven-year-old now company from Ireland, and they do the biggest show, biggest tech conference in uh, Europe, and uh, they're starting to expand globally. So they have a show in uh, the U.S called Collision, and that was, that's in its, I believe, in its fourth year this year, and Rise, which is the uh, Asia show that takes place in Hong Kong, which is in its third year this year. Wow. So, and if I, I remember reading about Rise, right? I mean, I've been involved in this stuff for a long time, and it kind of came out of nowhere, right? There were other big conferences in Europe, and I don't know, something just clicked out of this thing. I think, and I, and yeah, I think that so Web big, Summit right? is... A, Web Summit is definitely one of the most well-regarded conferences, I think, in Europe. And because uh, it's not just a conference where you go and listen to talks and uh, hopefully, you know, network with other startups and do exhibitions and things. There's a whole, I don't know, I don't know if you guys have been to Dublin before, but uh, I haven't. You know, when I first went to Dublin for Web Summit, you know, the Guinness and the, uh, the lifestyle they have is so perfect for a conference. Because after the conference is done around 5 o'clock, which I thought was kind of early for a conference to end, it continues on in the streets of Dublin in November <laughs> until the wee hours of the morning. And that's when the actual networking, that's when the actual deals are getting done. And uh, to be able to take that uh, Irish feeling and bring it and transplant it to, into New Orleans or transplant it to Hong Kong is quite a, quite a skill and quite a feat. So I think that is a, a lot of what people don't understand if they've ever been to a technology conference or a CES or something like that, that 
it's like business, 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 and then you kind of go off in your own way and do your own thing in, in the evening. And that's actually when the Web Summit rise and collision just start to get going. But so that's part of the interesting thing about this, right? There are so many people there. I mean, the Web Summit was probably even larger in Europe than it is in Hong Kong, right? Yeah, that's 65,000 people in Lisbon last year. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it sounds more like the University of Texas shows up somewhere and everybody like does school for a day and then everybody starts partying at night. But so from a startup person's perspective, right, because if you go there, you meet maybe the team from Airbnb and Gary V is there because I don't think does Gary V actually live anywhere. He seems to just go to conferences and <laughs> that's right. Do you know what I mean? But so yeah. as, a, as a startup, like as a real startup, right, somebody who's in a seed stage or even maybe like pre-series A stage, if they go to Rise, right, yeah. what are they planning to get out of it, whether it's in, you know, whether it's in Lisbon or whether it's in Hong Kong or whether it's in the United States at Collision? Like what do they want to get out of it and, and how good is the networking for somebody who's really starting up? Yeah, so I think that uh, it really depends on your agenda, and I believe you need to have one before you go to a conference. Mm-hmm. Usually, conferences are kind of lackadaisical. You can just go there and kind of ride around and see the talks and run into people and meet them. Uh, but this one, I think, is we, we put together a show very, very seriously. Like, we are inviting investors that are looking at deals in early stage and later stage. Even PE funds are there looking all the way down. LPs for funds. There's all kinds of stuff going on with the speakers, which are high caliber, to attract everybody else into it. So there's like, I guess, three or four different ecosystems that come together. The startups, the investors, the media, um, the corporates, right? And then the attendees are like everybody else that kind of show up there. So as long as you know what you're trying to do, whether you're raising money, raising your profile with with the media, finding customers, maybe from the attendees, uh, as long as you have those things, I think it's a very uh, good conference for you to go to. Um, I mean, they actually we actually track who and how they raise, what companies raise money from the show, like from first introduction of the companies to the investors that they meet there to like up to 12 months later that there's a substantial amount of money being raised from Web Summit, from Rise, from Collision. And uh, I think that's something that a lot of people are surprised at because we're not just bringing the usual faces that show up at all these conferences that are already in Asia. We're bringing people from around the world to come out and see what's happening, right, out in, whether it be in Lisbon or whether it be in Hong Kong or New Orleans. I think that's what the excitement is. And I think people go because they had a good experience in one of the other shows. And I think that's why somebody like a Gary Vaynerchuk, who I introduced on stage in Lisbon last year to 15,000 people. So Rise is 15,000 people. The people in the main stage at, at Lisbon last year was 15,000 people. Yeah. And he got like a rock star welcome. It was incredible. Like I, that would probably be my closest touch to that kind <laughs> of rock star status of people screaming and losing their minds when he comes on stage. And then when he finishes, everybody's rushing the stage, throwing name cards at him, throwing <laughs> the books at him business plans. I don't know. It's just incredible to be a part of that um, experience. And, you know, this whole, I don't know how long you guys have been doing your thing, but I've been doing startup stuff for like at least the last 15 years. And I think this is like the fevered pitch of this like rock star status and uh, conferences like Web Summit and Rise. We're trying to, you know, give that kind of spotlight to entrepreneurs and these kind of founders who are really are changing how, you know, we're doing business today. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. We could talk about Gary Vee, and I'll go back to that in a second, right? But I'm really curious if you could just walk me through, and I know you, you've already said this, like a lot of ink has been spilled on Rise and stuff like that, but in the details, in the minutiae, right, 
this whole concept of someone going to a big conference like that and actually raising money is something that's really interesting to me. And you said you track that, which is great, right? Because for my mind as a startup, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a startup, but if I were, like that would be the key thing, right? You, I want to go there. I want to learn how to grow my business. I want to get invested because most businesses that are the seeds in sort of Series A stage right at the beginning need capital to grow. And if they're going to not just be a, a one-city business or a one-country business, if they want to grow globally or regionally, they really just need to figure out how they're going to get capital. And having a strategy when you go to a place where there are 15,000 people or if you're going to Europe where there are 65,000 people, it's just, it's so key to getting this done. But what's like, can you walk me through like the perfect day for a real startup company that's going there? And like you said, the panels and stuff, that's really interesting to listen to, but that's more just likely to get people to go there, right? So that's like the light that a fly sees to go to like a certain location. But if you just walk me through for, I don't know, like the most successful rise raised this year or maybe last year that you saw at in Hong Kong, I'm really curious because nobody ever writes about that stuff, right? They write about how the parties are great, the networking was neat and stuff like that. But for me, these conferences really should help facilitate the growth in the ecosystem. And I'm just curious, like, if you could walk me through how that works. Yeah, that's a good idea. Actually, I want to do a blog post on that because uh, we have a, a lot of success stories that came out of that. And, well, you know, it basically it seems kind of like what you would do at any conference. You get a booth. You, you have a in, in our conference and most conferences nowadays, you get a one day to uh, have a stand where you are set, you're stationed there for the whole day and people come by. And then, uh, and then the other two days, you're just enjoying the, the conference itself and doing the networking. But I think it's kind of like, so we don't just invite investors and then throw them into the room and, try, and then let them have their way. We actually, they actually come to us and ask us, we're looking for early stage startups in, say, fintech or IoT or whatever. And we help to facilitate those meetings. We have lounges set up specifically for the investors to meet startups and vice versa, because I think everybody coming there the success of a conference is that both sides are finding the people they wanted to meet instead of getting lost in a sea of 15,000 people going, who am I supposed to talk to, right? right. So we yeah. actually do all that for a startup. And depending on the level of the startup um, in terms of the, the fundraising level, are they uh, seed stage, are they A stage, whatever, we have different other networking opportunities for them in the evening. We have dinners with investors. We have, you know, There's a lot of ways for you to meet the people that you want to meet um, uh, depending that as long as you know the people who are going to be there and who the people you want to meet, right? You look at the investor list. Okay, this 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 company does a lot of investments in my space. I got to meet this guy, um, and then those are the kind of things that you are set up. And usually those are successful. And do a lot of these invest? Obviously, they're coming from outside of Hong Kong because Hong Kong itself is not such a big place. But do they, are they coming mostly from the United States? Are they coming mostly from Europe? And also, I think really it's a mixture. Like- it's a mixture of all of them. Yeah. And what's the, yeah. what's the HNWI interest in Hong Kong right now? Right, there are a couple of small funds or interesting funds in Hong Kong, right? but the VC has not taken off there, at least in, that I've seen as it has in Singapore because of all the sort of programs in Singapore and all the facilitation by the government. But Hong Kong should be a place with all of the wealth where you see a lot of great start. You should see a lot of great startup activity, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I mean, if you've been to Hong Kong, you know there's other markets for you to put your money into that are safer and return a lot faster. Yep. So, I mean, the people in Silicon Valley, I think, that invest in startups have a very high level of risk. They love to gamble. Um, although that is strange to say because the Chinese love to gamble as well. I was going to so, say, I wasn't going to put it out there, but, but I'm not going to disagree. Right? I'll put it out there. I'll put it Thank out you. there. Like, so, 
<laughs> so that is kind of strange. But I guess they want to gamble on something they know, right? If they're gambling on blackjack, they know the the rules, they know the game, they know the colors. But in tech, you know, some places in Hong Kong, like Hong Kong, for example, are not very tech savvy. The money wasn't made on tech. So investing on an app that ha- finds happy hours is maybe a little bit outside the realm of some investors there, even with a $50,000 kind of, you know, in. Um, but I, th- I see that changing now. I think I see that changing a lot of because we have a lot of uh, banking people there who are looking for deals. They get together to syndicate deals. Um, so angel money is there. Um, and then you can raise up to, you know, a million, two million dollars in Hong Kong from the investors that are there. But of course, yeah, going to the A, B round, you're going to have to expand out into China. You're going to have to expand back into the West and things like that. But I think most important is that a lot of these new companies have a place to find, you know, a million U.S. dollars in, in Hong Kong even goes like way further than it does in the Valley, right? So um, even even such an expensive city, you can get you can do a lot more with that and, and scale it faster to get to the next uh, milestone. Right, and it's interesting. So I believe a company like Cafe X, which does the automated coffee stuff, I think yep. they came out of Hong Kong, right? But then yep, they were invested by Jason Calacanis and his syndicate and essentially just taken out of Hong Kong and moved to Silicon Valley to do their stuff there, which dovetails nicely into, you know, Jason also does a conference called Launch, right? Yep. Yeah, and- so I think for the Cafe X's point, it's like, it's true. Like, if you, I don't know if you've seen the product, but it is basically a robotic coffee system, right? It's a robotic yep. arm delivering coffee to you. I think if you showed that to somebody in Hong Kong, they would just not understand what that was. Like, what am really? I supposed to do with a robot coffee maker, right? Really? But if somebody in the valley would say, look at that and go, yeah, that's the future. I'm in. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the, it's just a bunch of education and just understanding what the technology can do. Is That's the only um, thing that's holding people back in terms of investments. They just don't know what the deals are. That's why you'll see a lot of people investing in anything like an Uber, like an Airbnb, like, like a co-work space. These are the ones that are, oh, I get it. Yeah, Uber, billion dollars. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll invest in a copy of that because you know, I'll probably get bought out anyway. So it's a good investment. Right. But investing in something like a coffee machine that's delivered by robots is a little bit too far and not, true, not proven yet into the market, right? So <laughs> I would see that there would be some hesitation there, whereas people in the Valley you know, self-driving cars, let's do it, right? VR, let's do it. We'll put millions of dollars and take a gamble on that. But I think Asia's not necessarily at that place yet, but I'm, I, I see it's going to catch up very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I, I look at a robotic arm that's delivering coffee, and I think to myself, how can I take responsibility for expanding that into Southeast Asia because that is the future. Like, I just see it so clearly. So it's interesting yeah. to me. And, you know, you look at guys like Li Ka-shing, right, who've been obviously from the beginning building Hong Kong both, you know, from all over the place. I believe he had, like, one of the first 3G licenses. So, the you know, the guy understands tech and its influence on the world. But, you know, the, you wonder about the next generation that moves in or even the following generation, what they're going to do with all that money from an investment standpoint. You're right. I think what they do is they end up going for things where the returns are more understood and, and more fixed as opposed to taking big risks. I've got another question that, that, you, that you brought up, right? So if you look at the difference between something like Rise where there are 15,000 people there and it's just huge, and how do, you, like, how do you differentiate between what's going on there and what's going on at launch where – you know, the startups don't, most, some of the startups don't even have to pay to attend. You know, where. Um, yeah, I've never been to launch conference, so I, I can't actually say what kind of experience they have there. Yeah, neither do um, I. I mean, there are other conferences in, in Asia where it's relatively inexpensive to free to get in. And I can see the, I can see the difference between that and, say, Rise in terms of the experience. 
um, the production values, you know, things like that. And I think that when people do free stuff, I mean, that's the whole economy, right? That, right? It's moved from free yeah. to freemium to paid, and people are willing to pay for a, a black uh, car from Uber and things like that now because of the convenience level and the you know amount of uh, the stuff it saves them, right? So I think it's the same thing with conferences, right? You get into the first few for free. Um, and since it's free, anybody can get in, and the, the experience is not going to be the same across the board. Whereas if there's an entry fee to come in that is maybe a little bit higher than free, then people might uh, it'll it'll keep some of the I, I don't want to say riff rap, but you know some of the people who are just kind of coming along and just want to try something for free when they're not very serious and dedicated. If you're dedicated by a stand and three tickets um, to a conference, that means you're kind of like you're ready, you're you're in it, you're gonna and you're gonna maximize and you're gonna be. You're going to hustle the whole three days to get something going, and you're going to and you're going to succeed. And we and we provide the tools to get make sure that you succeed. Whereas if it was free, we'd be like you know you could cut corners and stuff like that where you didn't need to have this, you didn't have that because you know oh well it's free, so you know what can I say? So I don't I can't I don't want to I don't want to comment on that. And if you've done any research on that, I'm sure there's a reason why you're asking me about this. I would rather leave any conversations about launch conference and web summit up to maybe Patty um, to comment on himself, but. Personally, for me, I can see, because uh, I've been many, many conferences uh, before I started with Rise, before we started launching Rise, and I've seen that they're kind of not, they're kind of like community events, they're kind of like uh, high school events, they're not very serious, and as an investor, if I walk in there, I want to see that people are ready to be, these people are ready to be invested in, and so I think that by coming to a thing with high production values like Rise, with international speakers, that's kind of it gives me more confidence that the people that are there are ones I could trust to invest in. Yeah, so those, actually, those are my thoughts on that. You make a really good point too, right? So there was a conference here recently called TechSauce, and I, I attended that. Um, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred, maybe eighteen hundred people there. So kind of a different metric, but again, a smaller, a smaller thing to from the beginning. But the one thing that people that went to both conferences said was that, you know, you mentioned this thing about production value. You, that they would walk around sort of the startup area and rise, and it was just so well produced, like for lack of a better term, in the sense that you you walk through, and I've been to tons of conferences as well, all over Asia and the United States as well, but it's hard to figure out like what the company is, what stage it's at, how many founders there are, what sector they're in, and stuff like that. And the thing that Rise has done that's been amazing is just the way you group the startups where it's like blatantly obvious even for a newcomer to figure out who's who, what business they're in, what stage they cuz that's really important I think for an investor, right? Are you a series B company that's looking to raise 20 million dollars, are you a series A company that's looking to raise 5, or are you a seed stage company that's looking to raise 750? And just knowing that where they're based, you know, are you from Amsterdam, are you from Paris, are you from Boston? That that stuff has was just done so well there. And maybe you're right, maybe that gives them and the conference itself an edge up on others where you're busy, too busy trying to figure out like who's who and what's what and that the, your ability to make an investment or take an investment because it's a two-way street, right, is just much more well-facilitated a thing that's so well-organized. So, yeah. yeah I, so I, I I've, organized lots of com- I've organized lots of conferences before rides that were free or cheap. And my main purpose of doing those was just to get the entrepreneurs out there. I didn't care about investors. I didn't care about the media. I wanted to make sure that the Startups we had from Hong Kong came out and could present properly, could show they were professional, and that was my main concern. Got and it. so to get people in there, yeah, let's just let them in for free. So 
in that way, it, I achieved that. And anybody who wants to do a conference for free, I'm all, I'm all supportive of that. I will help them to promote it or whatever. I love that. I love the tech sauce guys too. They're doing a great job. They are. Uh, as long as that people are, people are learning about entrepreneurship, that this is an option for you. You do not have to take a job. You do not have to follow life like your parents tell you to do. I feel like that is the most important thing of these conferences. And then you'll need different scales, right? You'll need those free kind of meetups, those kind of startup grinds. You're going to need these kind of bigger ones where it brings people from around the region together. And they're going to need these kind of international ones that take place in different parts of the world where it brings even a higher level of people. So I think there's room for all of them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure you guys have been to tons of them. There's, there's, there's so many going on all over the world. They're getting more and more specific too, right? Yeah. yeah in a couple of weeks, I'm going to a podcast conference. <laughs> it's just for podcasting, right? <laughs> Not even uh, can separate out of there. Like I see FinTech is a conference level. AI yeah. is a conference level. So now podcasting is getting to be a big thing now. So there's it is. conferences devoted to that, right? So, and I love that. I think that's, what it is. that's how it's going to start to se- separate. But how do we do it? How do we get 15,000 people to see what they want to see is that we actually break it into tracks, right? We have a fintech track. We have a AI track. We have a robotics track. So you can follow those tracks without having to see things that you don't really need to see and follow the speakers and the events that you will be most relevant to you. And I think that's what people, that's the best thing that we do to navigate people through such a large event. Really interesting to me. And you bring up something else as well, right? You've been involved in this for a long time. And, you know, particularly for the startup world, for people that have been doing this for 15 or so years means that, you know, they were there like in the Stone Age, at least in this region of the startup community, which is awesome, right? Because it takes time. I mean, if you look at how long yeah. Silicon Valley has been around, it, it, you know, people talk about it like it started last week, but it's been there for 40 or 50 years. <laughs> exactly. Right. So we're still in early stages here. I'm really curious. I can tell you my story, like why I ended up in, in Thailand and how I came to Asia, you know, back in 1990. So it's a long, and I haven't left actually. So it's been a long time for me. But I'm curious for you, right? You're from Canada. How did you end up in Hong Kong, and like, what made you stay? And then what got you interested or involved in startups? Because what you were doing, I don't know, you know, back in the early days of your time in Hong Kong, wasn't really related necessarily. So what got you interested, and how did you become like the head of Rise? It's just a, you know, it's a gigantic move, right? Yeah, well, I think I've always been into computers. I mean, I went to school to learn how to be a graphic designer using a Mac. So that was my computer literate. That's my background. I'm not a programmer. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the UX, as they call it now, the UX person. But uh, back then, we were called graphic designers. That sounds kind of boring now. Um, and I was very entrepreneurial, too. Like, as soon as I got to Hong Kong, I worked for some companies there, and I already realized that I didn't want to work for these people. They weren't as smart as I was. So I should start my own business. So I think um, that kind of entrepreneurial mind... And digital nature would kind of obviously kind of lead you into this kind of uh, startup or dot com as it was called back then kind of path. Right. And uh, I think that's uh, and I think that today the millennials are growing up with technology and that's all they ever knew or ever known. Um, as long as they can pair that with uh, self awareness and some kind of entrepreneurial mind, I think that you know it's a good option for a lot of people and they can they can build their own thing and do that what they think is best instead of. You know, getting a normal job at the normal company. Yeah, because I think those are going away. Frankly, I think. I mean, I think exactly. it's cyclical. I think it's cyclical too. But I think we're at a cycle now where, you know, you took a job maybe at IBM, like I took a job at Morgan Stanley, and I don't think a lot of that's going to happen <laughs> going forward exactly. because it's just the it's the wrong methodology. It doesn't fit people's lifestyles, and it's just the wrong way to work. As these companies just get too big and too monolithic. Um, yeah. And so, how did you get involved in the blue startups in Hawaii? 
Well, that's so I was uh, I, that was easier. That's a Blue Star Ops is an accelerator program in Hawaii, and basically, uh, yeah. one of their people came out to Hong Kong, and I met them, and they invited me to be a speaker there for their conference. Um, so going to a conference in Hawaii for startups sounds great. Let's do it. <laughs> really um, dumb. Not that hard. It's very easy. It's very easy to get people to Hawaii, believe it or not. Sure. And uh, and uh, so that kind of just evolved into this kind of other working relationship. But that's like, um, so it's kind of a balance. I do that when the, when it's not peak season with the uh, conferences and then I'm in the conferences when it's peak there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the world's getting smaller. I'm in Vancouver now. I'm meeting people here in a co-work space. We're recording this today. Um, and there's like three people here from Asia that use this as a as a middle point between um, wherever it could be Hong Kong, could be Jakarta and uh, San Francisco. So uh, it's amazing. I'm I'm in, I'm super impressed by meeting people like this because I thought I was the only one doing this, but no, everybody's doing this. It is kind of everybody's doing it, right? Like in one of my like, so I lived in Japan for 22 years. Um, I've now lived in Asia for six, and you know, obviously born in the United States, born in California, raised in Connecticut, but I. And also have done a ton of business in Hawaii because a lot of the old Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs guys figured out they could trade from there. So you have hedge funds that were set up um, in Honolulu. It also turns out that, and I was looking through this you know, over the past week, it, did Blue Startups invest in Volta? Yes, they did. Yeah, so one of the directors of Volta is a guy named Chris Wendell, who's a colleague of mine from Goldman Sachs. So it wow. just, yeah, really surprised. And I was just wondering, like, I always was just curious. So I, I'm a limited partner in a company called Ardent Capital out here. There was one. There was a venture builder that built some of the biggest companies in Southeast Asia, one of the most famous, right? And I, I sat in their office for a year and a half, and I don't know if you'd call that EIR. I'm just wondering, like, what what that means, entrepreneur in residence, and like how you enjoy doing that, and what that really means for you. Well, yeah, I think it's a it's a funny name, and I always have to explain what it is because it doesn't it sounds I don't know where that term came from actually. Do I, that's, that's why I'm asking. Really curious. I consider myself like the in-house mentor, basically. That's what I am. So we have a bunch of lead mentors from the community that come out, and and they we get assigned them to each of the teams in the cohort, and then they come in, you know, whatever their time allows them to do. So, but I'm there all the time. So I'm coaching. Uh, in each cohort, we usually have seven or eight teams, so I'm usually coaching each of them. One, one a day doing something else to do with either UX or marketing or pitch decks or investor relations or whatever. So that's kind of uh, what I do uh, as an entrepreneur in residence. And I think you're supposed to be coming up with your own idea while you're in there. So, um, but I, there's no, definitely no time to do that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, just, yeah. because, you know, the, the, the guys that run TechSoft for the team, right, it's Mimi and Aim and all these guys, right? I know them really well. And I talked to them after the conference was done here. It's like a, that's like a year long job. Yeah, definitely. Just to run the conference. And, and of course, you do other things, too. And I'm just curious, like, when you find time, just how you manage the time thing. Because when you went to Hong Kong, you said you were working for other people. You started your own companies. And in a way, even if it wasn't a startup per se, and I'll put that in quotes, every time you just break off and start something from nothing and trying to turn it into something, it's super hard work, right? But you must have that bug, that itch to just say, I want to do I have this vision to do something, and I want to do it. How do you kind of... I guess it manifests itself in building the conference every year, which is like starting a new company every year, I'm presuming. But exactly. You, That's exactly you, what it feels like. It is though, right? It's like, okay, conference is over. Now what do I do? It's not like you just like press a button and every, it just gets set up for the next year. Like it's super hard work. Um, and, and to the be number fair, one funny comment I heard at the end of the conference from uh, one of my friends was, she's like, I can't wait to be alone. 
Yeah, the number exactly. one thing I heard. After I can't wait to be alone. <laughs> that is the greatest thing I've ever heard. I cannot wait to be alone. <laughs> it doesn't last that long. You're alone for like two weeks, and you're like, okay, look, we're starting to work on 2018 now. Yeah. It's like, can we just exactly? Work? That's exactly. Yeah, and then plus, and because of Web Summit, there's another conference in November, so we're actually now gearing up to take a lot of the people who attended Rise to Lisbon to right. see what the mothership event looks like, and then if they're if they're at all interested in the U.S. market, there'll be another one uh, called Collision in New Orleans that happens uh, in May. So there's yeah, it's around the clock thing. It's not there's not really any. It doesn't seem like there's any downtime, but there is a little bit. But it's definitely just moves into the next event. And do you invest at all? Like, is there how does that work? Because you, you're at the conference, you talk to all the startups, and again, if you're going to Lisbon and then going to go to the United States, you're seeing startups globally, and and even the EIR stuff you do in in Hawaii, like, what interests you? Do you know what I mean? Because I can tell you what my investment thesis is. I can tell you what interests me, but I'm really curious what interests you. And do you invest as well? Um, I definitely do some small investments with some companies um, in cash-wise, but I also do a lot of advising on companies that I think are good that need to get to the next level. That's kind of what Startups HK was. We were, we were uh, myself and Gene Sue, my co-founder, we basically – uh, set up like a, it's just a community group to help startups. And we ended up, because of our network, because everybody came to us to tell us what they were doing as well as asking us for help, it seemed like we were just advising most of the companies. So a lot of the successful companies in Hong Kong now are, I wouldn't say we'll take any credit, complete credit for them, but we like to think that we pushed them along to the point where they were able to get funding or the media attention they wanted to get because there was somebody backing behind them and we did a lot of media and press because of it, right? But right. investment thesis, I don't think I really have an investment because it changes all the time. I mean, what was popular last year at Rise is non-existent this year. Yeah, so it's yeah. very interesting to see that. And, uh, and also, when I, go to, when I go to San Francisco, I see different things that are popular or growing out of stuff there as opposed to what I see in Asia, right? So I find it a little bit tricky to figure out, okay, are we going to build companies here that are going to scale within Asia, or try and scale back to the U.S., or what's what's the, or do we just invest in the U.S. companies and bring them to Asia? So that's the, right. right now the kind of thing that we're looking at doing is figuring out that and getting syndicates together to get them to join with us to to put money into these kind of companies because I think now when you see you rise, either if you're not in a startup, you want to do a startup now after you get that whole bite, sure, sure, that whole sure. bite the energy going. The energy is insane. Yeah, and if you're not, if you're an older person, you definitely want to invest in them and get involved. With, helping building their company, right? Um, yeah, that's so that, exactly the kind of, that's the residual effect that we get from Rise every year. But this year especially, it's like everybody's like, okay, how do I do this? How do I get involved in this? What do I do next? It's great. It's great. That's one of the best feelings about the, the aftermath of a conference. Everybody's exhausted and beaten up and, and everything's a mess. But the most important thing is everybody is super inspired. And, you know, because I don't know about where you guys are, but, you know, in Hong Kong, it's, the inspiration is very low level because of you know what's happening in, in the city and things like that. So when you have something, either an art basil that comes to town and inspires people creatively, or something like this where people are get this the entrepreneurial bug and they go and it's just when I see people next year like oh I came last year and this is my new startup I'm like wow that's great you went for it or maybe it's too far they quit their job sold their house you're like don't do that too far maybe a little bit too far but, 
<laughs> but it's still great to see um, that, uh, you know, that there, it's inspiring. And I, I love that. I think that's the, one of the most exciting things. A lot of people don't know who Gary Vaynerchuk is, right? So he comes right. on stage and people are like tweeting and quoting him. I'm like, okay, this stuff's been around for a long time, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's the first time you've heard it. And I'm, I'm so happy that it's, it's, it's touched you so much because this is his first Asia uh, live appearance. So right. we're very excited to have had him there. So I do a lot of what you just said, actually. I think it's really important, or at least a big opportunity, to bring companies that are started in the West, and I'll say the West is a catch-all phrase for what's going on in Europe and the United States, mostly the U.S., though, and try to bring them into Southeast Asia, right? You said something really interesting that I haven't heard, and that is, you know, the environment in Hong Kong needs inspiration. It's very different in the rest of Southeast Asia, right? And Hong Kong's not Southeast Asia, obviously, it's North Asia. But you go to, if you're in Bangkok or you're in Ho Chi Minh or you're in Jakarta, there is a palpable energy of development and creativity and sort of startup ideas. And I wouldn't say startup fever, but, you know, this generation, it's the best generation ever to be Thai, to be fair. And the same thing to be Vietnamese. Obviously, you know what happened there in the 70s and 80s and the 60s. And the same thing in Indonesia where... Just the economies are so bifurcated with super wealthy and maybe not so wealthy. And what the startup um, ecosystem has done for them, it's allowed them to have opportunity. And that opportunity engenders a huge amount of energy. I wonder, actually, and I hadn't even thought about this before we got on the phone, like what would a RISE conference look like if it took place in Bangkok? Just so much energy and so much like there's so much innovation and so much like so many gaps in the market here. Like you said, in Hong Kong, besides just being geographically small, obviously it's very wealthy, but there's a ton of money actually in Thailand that nobody knows about. I mean, we know about it because we're here, but that the rest of the world doesn't know about. I wonder what the result of a RISE conference in, in Bangkok would be. And I wonder why, just with the energy that's available, you know, you guys wouldn't try to do that. And I'm not like complaining or anything. I'm just curious. Is it just because Hong Kong is more of a well-known place? But I, I'm telling you, if Gary Vee stood on stage in front of a bunch of like amped-up people in Bangkok, he may never be able to leave. <laughs> yeah. Kind of thing. That's amazing. Yeah, that's so exciting. Uh, that's very exciting to hear. Yeah. I, to be honest, I, I know they look at a lot of cities, and uh, there's a lot of uh, logistic things as well that are involved with the choice yeah. of Hong Kong. Um, and, you know, Singapore is very aggressive as a city, too, offering right. to move the conference there already. Um, but oh, don't uh, do that. Don't do that. Exactly. Exactly. Don't, Hong don't, Kong don't. is. I, I, Hong Kong was. Uh, yeah. So I think um, I'm. I'm very happy and that they chose Hong Kong to do it because I was there. So I was right. able to be involved with it. If they did it in Bangkok, I would probably just be an attendee now. Going. Why don't you bring it to Hong Kong? I mean, every time they do the show, everybody from every country comes up to Patty and ask him, "Hey, can you do it in our city next?" Right? Yeah. It's like you know, like the Olympics or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it for that reason actually at all. And and frankly. Like I wouldn't be able to. I personally, I mean, I could organize a conference. I could definitely do that, right? But I'm, and I'm interested in it. But that's not why I brought it up. I think it'd be amazing for you, frankly, because you would see what's going on in Southeast Asia. Here, just a couple of stats that just popped into my head because I do some stuff in the travel startup space. 1.2 billion people in the world traveled last year. 110 million of them came to Southeast Asia. 35 million tourists every year come to Thailand. Most of them end up coming through Bangkok. So the city is perfectly set up logistically, and there are more hotels and more like Airbnbs, and it's the biggest Facebook city in the world. Like, there, the logistics here are set up to handle gigantic conferences. 
And I just wonder what it would look like. I, I would have, if Rise came, I have no vested interest in it, but I just think from an ecosystem growth and development standpoint, like it would just be amazing to see. Sorry, that's yeah. just my, that's I think, my opinion. I think, I think I you're right. Don't no, I think you're right. We tried to do one in Bangalore uh, to address the market in India. Different and, uh Yeah, it's a different market, but it was like, uh, it's interesting. I think, you know, Web Summit will try to do a conference as, as the need is there, but I'm not sure if they would move um, it out of Hong Kong just yet. But, yeah, I definitely think that would be an amazing uh, experience to see that kind of level of quality of speakers coming into. Even Jakarta, I think, would be a, a great city to do it in. Just the energy um, so would shock just like, you. Yeah, the energy level, exactly. And then in China, they don't, they're not so um, excited about having that kind of English-speaking uh, yeah. speaker that in, the jazz people, but I can see that they are the ones that also need a big showcase for what they're doing and to be able to tell their story instead of having the media tell it for them. Right, um, right, right. That is also another thing. I'm, I'm, a big, I'm really pushing for something like that to happen, but you know, we'll see what happens uh, next year. Yeah, it's just it's a, the whole concept of like bringing it into places where it hasn't been before, where there's just so much energy. China itself, right? It's interesting, but it's a very domestic and kind of inward-looking market. It's only been recently that the Alibaba. I mean, Tencent obviously has been doing this for a while, right? But the Alibabas of the world have gone out and actually started acquiring companies and looking at markets outside of China. But again, internally, it's very domestic. And you're right, because their own internal and domestic markets are so large, they don't necessarily have to look external for growth or excitement or things that are interesting. And a lot of new stuff is actually going to be, it's already being developed there. So I get, yeah. I get that too. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, exactly. No, I was just going to say. A- anyway, um, so, you know, what else, what can we do? I'm just curious, like, what can, what can we do to facilitate what you do in Hong Kong into the rest of Southeast Asia? I'm really, I'm, I'm really curious about that, right? We, we, you have your own connectivity there. You'll branch it out. You've connected Hawaii and, and the United States and, and the West, and we, we do a lot of the similar things, right? So I'm just curious how we could potentially help you out and either raise your profile outside of where you're already well-known and try to help you figure out how to expand your brand. Because like the Casey Lau brand itself is actually pretty powerful inside of Hong Kong, but how can you make it more powerful in the rest of Southeast Asia? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we well, this year we tested out a new um, kind of uh, way to engage other communities called the Runway to Rise, and we went it, we took it to four cities this year, which was actually turned out to be very successful. So next year we'll probably extend it to a lot more cities, and then we'll bring it down to Southeast Asia, and we'll do the same kind of uh, mini events across uh, all the cities that you guys are in right now, and that's something I'm looking forward to. And we'll probably start it actually as soon as January. I would think so. All the way to July. Yeah. Yeah. And do you plan that whole thing? Like, how did you, how did they find you? You know what I mean? How did they, I know you well, did the art. I love, I love to take all the credit for it. I really do because the team are quite uh, all in Dublin and I don't actually do a lot of talking as much as I do. But I have 150 people in Dublin that are doing all the heavy lifting and do all the magic behind the scenes. Um, these people are, are incredible. There's a team for every department of the conference. And they're all on, they're all like uh, super smart, super amazing. And I'm just so happy that I've, you know, you know, when you talk about company culture, you talk about, you know, working with people. I mean, I guess maybe I've never had that in companies I've worked at, 
uh, right. where the team are just so um, so they understand each other, they understand the mission. They're led by somebody like Patty Cosgrave, who is so dedicated to what he's doing. He's like a Steve Jobs of conferences, and the people follow him. Yeah, and the people follow him, and they produce great results. I mean, there's guys backstage that you don't, you know, nobody sees that are making all that happen, making sure Gary's happy, making sure his people are happy. It's all done seamlessly, and I got to say that those people are the real heroes of this whole thing. But I'm glad everybody thinks that I did everything by myself. I really am. Uh, I have a big team, a support team that does it. I come up with some ideas. I, you know, I go out there. I do all the talking, but there's really a lot of people there that are doing um, all the hard work, and uh, <laughs> I, I definitely, uh, I definitely like, would like to, you know, you know, vouch for all of them. Well said. So you don't want you don't you don't want me to perpetuate the myth that it's just this guy named Casey who just gets everything. I know. Done. <laughs> it's like well, it's like Steve Jobs, right? It's like he like oh, did he make the iPhone? Did he actually make all that stuff? Not really, right? There's a huge yeah. team behind him that does all that stuff. Absolutely. And I mean, working with Patty Cosgrave, I mean, he, this guy is like, he's really an inspiration. Whenever I hear him have staff meetings or talking to the team, I'm just like, wow, this guy is amazing. Like I would just like every, all his ideas. I talked to him for an hour about why the lanyards are a certain length, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the name tags we wear with the with the tags that hold it around your neck, there's a reason why it's that length. There's a reason why it's at that length. It's incredible. Like I don't, I've not met anybody with attention to detail that specific about something that I would not even think about twice. That was something you know to hold your name on, right? And these yeah, you yeah, see like, them at every conference. You don't even think about it, but there's a big, big deal about the lanyard length for all the attendees around all the conferences and specific for each of the different conferences. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say that to succeed at that level, you, the devil is really in the details. And if you don't get those details right over time, it's just not going to work. Look, it's been amazing to talk to you. I feel like we could go on and on. And maybe what we do is we stop here or stop around here. And then we just agree to catch up again in a few months just to see how things are going, what's changed and like what you're thinking at that time. If that's okay, if that's okay with you. I've just yeah, been that'd be great. Actually, we do, well, next in, in a few more months, I'll be, I can do this live with you guys. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to do live. I love doing live. Um, and, you know, Graham and I are going to go on the road as well. We're going to do a tour of Asian cities and try to figure out what makes a great Asian startup city. Yeah, oh, we're gonna great. Podcast, we're gonna yeah, I'm listening to your guys' podcast. I, I found your podcast and I was listening to it and I, I think it's great stuff. You guys are doing really good. Good work, and I, I like that you're giving a, you're giving everybody a good shake of what's going on, and you're talking about what's relevant now in the uh, in Asia. Because that's one thing I, I noticed when going to Collision Web Summit is that people don't know much about Asia, mm. um, and they because because the people are there's not enough Western I guess Western people talking about it, so they can exactly. get the perspective from a Western angle, which is, I think is more important than just hearing oh how great Alibaba is or how great right. whatever is doing over here. It's good to have more objective um, so that's a, kind that's of that's our insight. whole goal. Yeah. That's yeah, our goal, great. and that's it's what tough. we're trying to do. So thank you very much. And frankly, anything you can do to help us to, to get people to understand that that's what we're trying to do and that there's a substantive view that we have and that you know we're trying to give exposure to people that wouldn't otherwise get it so that people do understand that there's more going on in Asia and Southeast Asia than just Alibaba and Tencent. And those companies are amazing, but they're kind of already there and they're kind of well-known. So anything you can do to help us out would be super as well. Okay, cool. We'll do. I'll think about it. Casey, before you go, thank you very much for sharing your insights today. Um, I'm going to ask you for a link so you can share that with the listeners so people can go and find out about more about you, 
about your conferences and so on. But I'm just curious as well, just before you're off, are you going to get any downtime now that you've done Rise? Do you actually get time off? Do you actually get time out and say, like you said earlier, time alone? Um, you know, I don't know. That's kind of weird. It's like uh, I, I think I've, after all these years of working like this in the technology field, I feel like I've found a good balance. So time off completely, what does that mean? You want me to go to a beach and read a book for a week? I'm, that's probably not even, for me, I'd go crazy if I had to do that, right? right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Your I'm mind's sure. always buzzing. Yeah it's, yeah, it's always buzzing. So I think, if, I think coming to Vancouver, actually I'm in Vancouver right. to, to visit the family. So I'd say this is the closest to time off that I'm doing, but I'm still working while I'm here. Um, because, yeah, I just can't, uh, I guess I can't shut off. I don't know. You know, I think people who enjoy what they do, it's just like not really... Yeah. Time to get no. away from it. Super hectic the week before. Um, super hectic the week before um, the conference. Obviously, um, it's still to me. It's still manageable. It's not because the team is so good. I don't lose my mind or lose sleep. Um, so I think it's okay. Yeah. So I definitely um, time downtime is not. Uh, it's just part of time. Mm. It's part of all time. Basically. Exactly. Well, very good. Okay. Where can we find out more about you, Casey? Because I'm sure people want to find out about your conference rise as well as you, um, you know, find out a little bit more about your background and your story. Well, um, the conference is at riseconf.com. Uh, that's where all the, con- all the conference information is at. And I'll be at the websummit.com um, in November in Lisbon. That would be a great place to, to meet up. We'll have a Rise Lounge. We're bringing a bunch of people from Asia that attended a conference to come out there and mingle and network out there. And I guess that my social media I'm most active on is Twitter. I love Twitter, so I'm at Casey underscore Lau, and I, I basically tweet my adventures everywhere on that um, and you know, highlight any good teams I find or good investors I find or news from the different regions. So that's probably the best way to keep in, keep in contact, and I answer DMs and things like that on there. So that's the best way to that's find out where I am, what I'm doing, and, how, and more good stuff. That's Casey Lau, everybody, head of Asia for Rise. And as he says, if you want to go and follow his adventures, we'll put the details in the show notes. If you want to go and see what he's up to, where he is in the world, because it could be anywhere, anytime, go and check him out on Twitter. Go and check out the website for the conference as well. All the details in the show notes. And Casey, come back on the show as well and share with us your adventures in the future. I know you're a globe-trotting, jet-setting entrepreneur. But we'd like to keep up with you and find out what's going on in your world. So come back in and give us an update and a part two. All right. Thank Thank you, you. Michael. Thank you, Graham. Thank you, Casey. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.